Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I am very excited to introduce our guest today. This is Earl Foote. He is the founder and CEO of Nexus IT here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Earl, thank you so much for being on the show today. What would you like the people to know about Nexus IT? John, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Um, uh, Nexus IT is a 24-year-old outsourced uh, IT and cybersecurity firm based here in northern Utah and servicing a nationwide footprint. Um, we, uh, we are a firm that kind of concentrates heavily on cybersecurity and compliance um, in the outsourced IT space. Um, and therefore, you know, the majority of the um, businesses that we serve are kind of in highly regulated industries um, that, um, you know, have significant cybersecurity and compliance needs. Um, that's kind of our niche and where we, we specialize. Um, you know, the sexy version is I say that we, uh, we run a team of elite ethical hackers that does cyber warfare on behalf of our clients every day against real hackers. And that's, that's not inaccurate in any way whatsoever. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, um, we, we take IT and cybersecurity off the plates of business leaders so they can focus on their core business and moving that forward and forget about, uh, you know, the technology behind the scenes. That is great. And especially in this day and age, I mean, cybersecurity is so critical. It's not even an option anymore. It just, it has to be done because without it, all sorts of issues start uh, exploding and imploding all at the same time, exploding for the sure. clients, imploding for the the, co the company. So we could do a podcast for like a whole week on that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bet. And I'm, I'm sure you've got yeah. some stories to tell, but uh, well, I, for one, I'm glad that you and your team are out there helping to protect folks from the, the nasties out there trying to do things they shouldn't be doing. So fantastic. All right. Well, let's get to our questions. Question number one, Earl, share a time with the audience when you had a conflict of some kind with a coworker or maybe someone else and how you resolved it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, my leadership journey, I'm, again, I'm 24 years into this. Um, it's kind of been uh, a roller coaster, you know, having started this business at 23 years of age. Um, I was probably a little too much the, the ideal boss. You know, we had to a total bro culture around here and um, there wasn't a lot of accountability. Um, and we, we had a lot of fun, which was great, but uh, we weren't always producing the best results. Um, and I kind of probably let my pendulum swing a little too far the other way and kind of became that jerk boss for a while. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, quickly learned that that wasn't the right approach either. And, you know, uh, finally settled somewhere in the happy you know, medium there where um, we have an amazing culture. Um, we're super productive. We produce the right outcomes. We're accountable. Um, you know, we get the right things done for our clients and our team members and um, just, you know, uh, I know that wasn't really a question, but I just wanted to preface um, you know, somewhere in that journey, and it was probably a little more on, on my jerk side of my journey. Um, um, we, we had a team member who um, actually, I mean, that team member is now, you know, one of our top performers. Um, at the time, he'd been with us for a good while. Consistently, we we're kind of button heads on a lot of things. Um, and um, we're, we're having a hard time getting the right outcomes, you know, from, from that team member. And um, uh, you know, it, it kind of, um, I think I was maybe in a peer group or, you know, at a leadership seminar or something. And it just kind of came to me that, 
um, I had probably not really validated this person as, as a professional, right? Um, and, um, you know, really expressed my appreciation for who they were and what they were bringing to the table. And, um, and so um, we sat down at, at his yearly check-in and um, I just owned up to my side of the equation, which, you know, um, new leaders out there, I would definitely recommend, you know, uh, checking out the book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, uh, former Navy SEAL. Um, you know, a lot of really great principles in that book. And this was kind of, I think, one of those moments in my leadership journey um, where that, that book kind of, you know, came to mind. And I was like, well, wait a second, um, I need to reflect deeply on what my piece of ownership is and my role in the, you know, this current situation, and I need to own up to it. And so I did. And we sat down in our, in his yearly review and um, actually we, we both of us shed tears. It was kind of a, a, an interesting moment. You know, I owned up to, um, you know, not really validating him as a, as a person and, uh, and a professional. Um, he had started with our organization uh, as a fractional temp employee and, and then we had transitioned him and I it just, he didn't go through a normal onboarding process and, um, and I just, you know, hadn't really engaged with him uh, on a deep level as a leader. And so, um, sure enough, you know, that was the real crux of the problem is that he just didn't feel a level of trust with me. Um, and that one little act of me saying, Hey, look, I'm sorry. I realize that these are the things that I've done wrong here and I commit to do better. Um, and I will do better. Uh, I can't, you know, promise to be perfect, but I'll promise to do much better in, in this situation. Um, and, you know, that whole situation flipped 180, um, you know, uh, pretty much on the spot. And he, you know, almost immediately became one of our top producers and, and today, you know, still is. And he's been with us now for eight or nine years, maybe, maybe almost a decade. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, that's, I think one of my best, um, the, one of the best lessons I've learned in leadership along the way. That's a great example. And thank you for being, being willing to share that and be open about your experience and, and how you handled it. And uh, I, I love what you said about needing to validate people professionally and helping them to see the value that they bring and that you do recognize that. And sometimes that gets overlooked. You know, we get uh, caught up and, and uh, those things can happen. But I really respect how you handled it and that you did take that, that ownership and that you committed to do better. And that obviously had a great effect. So thank you for sharing that story. That's a great story. Let's go on to the next question. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, Earl, that people don't leave uh, jobs, they leave managers. What's something, maybe one thing that a leader can do to help retain talent? Yeah. Um, for me, I think uh, the most pivotal thing I've learned over, you know, a 24 year career, um, is that you need to see your team members as equals and you need to treat them as such, and you need to operationalize that as part of your culture, right? Um, you need to, you need to embed trust in those relationships, um, and in your teams. Um, you know, what, one of our core values here at Nexus IT is empowered shared leadership, um, which for us kind of means we don't micromanage. Everybody has, you know, everybody's entrusted with roles and duties and they have um, the authority to act within those and the authority to produce the right results for the clients and their team, uh, team members and the organization as a whole uh, within, you know, the, uh, the purview that has been given to them or the, the roles and duties that have been given to them. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think 
trusting, right? But then also so often, and, and I realize, you know, modern business, we've come a long ways and, you know, but I've been around this for, you know, 24 years. And so I've seen this evolution of the space we came from where most people in a leadership position, you know, it, it kind of goes to their head and they feel like they're superior and they talk down to people. Uh, they're degrading, they're demeaning, you know, um, and uh, that just doesn't work in a modern workplace. It, it doesn't. And besides that, like, you don't want to work for a jerk boss. You don't want to work for, you know, somebody who doesn't respect you and trust you and treat you as a human being, as, a, as an equal. So why be that person, right? Um, um, so yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the things that, you know, us making that really an inherent, inherent piece of our culture and DNA around here that, um, I don't call them my employees, you know, they're my team members and, and I really view them as that, um, they are the people that, you know, have my back every day. They have our clients back, they have each other's back. Um, and, um, you know, really, just uh, kind of having that shift of mindset of, you know, th these are my team members and they're my equals and we're here to support and help each other. And the other piece is, you know, is to coach them. Like you, as a leader, particularly as a modern leader, you're there to be a mentor and a coach. You're there to help them identify, you know, where they want to go with their career, where they want to go in life um, and to help coach them through that process, right. And help them grow and progress as people Um not just professionals, but as people as well, um, and provide the mechanisms by which they can do that. And so, um, you know, that's, I guess, part of my philosophy that, that I think has been very useful for us. Well, thank you for sharing that. And boy, did you share a lot of really good, short, succinct points on what we can do to help our folks feel more comfortable sticking around longer. And really, obviously, you've done a, a fantastic job of doing that. And I, I really appreciated what you said. So great comments. Thank you. How can leaders, on to our third question here, how can leaders build resilience in a team? Yeah, um, I, I think, um, uh, first of all, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, is you definitely need to cross-train subject matter expertise across teams. Um, you know, no matter what, you're going to have, you know, certain individuals who have more knowledge on specific topics, uh, more experience, more capabilities. Um, and, and you need those team members to disseminate that across a, a team, right? So that everybody can help tackle the same sort of, you know, problems and issues. And so we, internally, we do uh, monthly lunch and learns. Um, we do an all hands and then we do uh, different technical and sales team lunch and learns and, and stuff like that. And it's all about subject matter expertise, you know, uh, sharing subject matter expertise, training the rest of the team on the things that you know. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's been a really important piece to this, but in the end, um, really, and, and my, my good friend, uh, Dr. Jeb Hurley, who is, um, he, he is, uh, really one of the world's foremost authorities on the behavior, excuse me, the behavioral science behind hyper-functioning teams. And, you know, through lots of studies and lots of work, really, I mean, it, it boils down to a very simple concept and, and that is trust. Um, when, when trust exists on teams, you have a very functional, a very resilient team. When trust doesn't exist between team members, between team members and, and team leads or leaders um, or vice versa, um, then, then the resilience of the team is going to suffer. Now, trust between humans, is, especially you know, humans that don't have intimate relationships, 
um, is certainly a challenge, right? And so um, it, it's rare that you're ever going to have perfect levels of trust across, you know, any given team. But there are cert there's certainly a lot you can do to um, to build your culture around trust and and absolutely without fail, you know, uh, as we've made a concerted effort over the last, you know, 15 years or so, once we started understanding these concepts a little bit better, you know, to, to really, uh, again, build the culture around that. Uh, I can tell you, you know, our outcomes and our results have been significantly different, even exponentially different, um, and not just, um, you know, uh, internally, but of course, the, the outcomes we produce in, in revenue and in, um, uh, you know, in profit margins and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, yeah. So that, that's, a, I think, one of really the number one keys to building functioning teams is, 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 to, is to operationalize as much as you can trust across the board. Oh, I like that. You had a lot of, again, really great points. Trust can never be undervalued. And I, I think we do undervalue it, but it shouldn't be because we each need to show that trust. We need to earn the trust. I, I love everything you said and building that resilience. It's a challenge, but it's, it's, more, it's more critical now in my view than it ever has been before. We've got to learn how to bounce back from challenges. And, and I, I love what you described about how to do that. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Question number four, is there someone that you'd like to recognize that has had an impact in your life? Yeah, you know, along the way, I've had a lot of um, really great friends and coaches and mentors and stuff. Um, really, I think, um, you know, the, the person who comes to mind most for me is Kent Whipple. Um, Kent, you know, um, is owner of Whipple Service Champions, you know, Whipple Plumbing. Um, and, uh, you know, many years ago, Kent stepped, you know, uh, kind of away from his business uh, into a chairman role and, you know, hired a CEO. And um, he kind of went on a life mission to help other entrepreneurs um, really, um, you know, figure out their own journey. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those first people that, you know, he took under his wing. Um, and he had already built, you know, a really respectable, thriving business at that point um, and had amassed, you know, uh, a huge volume of knowledge and experience in leadership and entrepreneurship um, and in building businesses. And frankly, my business was, um, it, it was fledgling, you know, it was, it was doing okay. You know, it was, um, the revenue was all right. There was a little bit of profitability, um, but it wasn't exactly thriving. Right. Um, and I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, Kent, um, he and I met uh, at an event and, um, you know, at a later date, he said, Hey, look, um, I see you, I see what you're, you're, you know, what you're striving to do. Um, I want to help, um, and took me under his wing, no cost. Um, wow. and, um, you know, uh, helped me for many, many months really kind of, um, understand what wasn't working right in my business and why it wasn't working right and helped me model, you know, um, uh, success for the future and, and figure out, you know, process and procedure and systems and how to, how to tweak and fine tune the culture. And, and so um, I, I think that, you know, the last 10 or 12 years of my journey as an entrepreneur have been significantly different than the first 10 or 12 years. And, and a lot of that, I, I straight up owe to Kent Whipple. Um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a fantastic, wonderful human being and man that, um, has a huge heart of gold that has done a lot of good. And he's, he's generally pretty silent about it. I don't think that a lot of people know about it. 
Well, that's, that's a fantastic story. And what a difference a good coach or mentor can make in helping us personally, professionally, whatever else it may be. So thank you for recognizing Ken. It sounds like a wonderful man and obviously had a great impact on you. All right. Well, Earl, our last question, tell us a little bit about your first job. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I started uh, working at a very young age, actually. Um, I, I had parents that taught me, um, you know, from, from a young age, the value of a dollar, um, the value of the sweat, sweat on your brow and, and an hour's work. Right. Um, and so, um, at the young tender age of 12 years old, they, they helped me get a job, um, at the local Kent's IGA grocery store in my neighborhood. Um, and I would go, this was summer job, right. And I would go in, after the butchers would finish, you know, their, their job. Um, I think I started at noon every day. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I would go in and I would clean the butcher department, um, uh, which was a bloody mess. Um, it was <laughs> not the, it was not a fun job at 12 years old to have to go in behind, you know, the butchers and clean all of the machines and all of the countertops and walls and floor. And then I'd have to clean, you know, the, um, uh, the freezers, as well. And, you know, so I'd be in the freezers for an hour or two, which was freezing cold. Um, and I, I'd go in every, every day, Monday through Saturday and do that, you know, for, uh, it usually was like a four or five hour job, um, you know, to, to do it all. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, definitely, I, I learned to work. I learned to work hard. Um, I didn't love the job. I can't, you know, can't say I loved it because it was pretty gross. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I, I am super grateful, you know, that, uh, I, I had parents that, um, and we didn't have much in terms of, you know, uh, means or capabilities. Um, you know, we were a very, uh, blue collar family in a blue collar neighborhood. And, um, I, I'm grateful though, that they taught me, um, at a very young age, you know, um, uh, how to work, right. And, and what it meant to work and, um, that I could make money and that, you know, that money was my money to do what I decided to do with. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, um, not, not the best job I've ever had, um, but I am very grateful that it was my first job. Thank you for sharing that because boy, I'll tell you, I, I haven't, I don't know that I've talked to too many guests that absolutely loved their very first job. A lot of them were what we might call character building. You know? so, sounds yeah. like that's what it was for you as well. hundred percent. 100%. Fantastic. <laughs> Earl, thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing your insights, sharing your stories. Really, really appreciate it. How can people find you? Uh, you can hit us up at nexusitc.net or uh, here in Utah at 801-839-7006. Fantastic. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. And we also invite you to subscribe or follow the podcast, whether it be the audio version or whether it's the video version, either one. And we look forward to hearing you again next or hearing from you again in our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us.